Welcome to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. My name is Vignesh Devraj, an Ayurvedic doctor and holistic health coach. Each week we share wisdom or interview an inspiring personality to guide you become your healthiest self. Remember your health is your greatest asset. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Nisha Kanna MD from Texas. She is a doctor who is integrating aspects of functional medicine, Ayurveda and also western medicine in her practice. She's an extraordinarily gifted doctor with vast experience in treating various chronic illness and lifestyle disorders. I did an episode with her, the episode number 10 on how to heal mercury toxicity, leaky gut and candida. And many listeners gave me excellent feedback and in that episode she was talking about how taking birth control pills for a long duration can harm the gut microbiome in a woman and many listeners wanted to know more about what is happening in a woman's body when they are taking the birth control pills and in today's episode i am exclusively discussing about what is the true cost of taking a birth control pill definitely taking birth control pills brings in lots of benefits and the best analogy that i can give to it is like the way we integrated plastic when the plastic was invented the whole world was going crazy because plastic completely transformed the way the logistics were happening it improved the shelf life of many food products and it was a great waterproofing mechanism but as we started using it without any judicious approach we saw how much damage it is doing to the whole nature and so now we are going back and reducing the utility of plastic and the same is the approach that we need to give it to the birth control pill Now as a doctor in Sitaram Beach retreat I see so many couples in their late 30s and early 40s coming to have babies and they have this fertility issues and when I ask the woman when I take their medical history they all say they have been taking birth control pills for a very long period and when I ask them were you aware of the side effects they say that oh I wish I knew it when I was taking but even though I was not feeling good but the benefits were too good I just forgot about it but now if i knew what i'm going to face right now i would have been so much happier if i got out of it to all the listeners if you are taking birth control pill please listen to this and also share it with those who are taking them or planning to take them and if you are a man and if your partner is taking them please listen to this and also share this with your partner remember the quality of your health is the quality of your life now we go over to dr nisha kanna Hello Nisha, thank you for again coming back to my podcast interview. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I hope you're keeping well and healthy. Definitely. <laughs> we have all the tools. And I must say the previous episode that we did on mercurial toxicity, it we got really fantastic feedbacks on your episode. And uh, some of the listeners they wanted to know more about how does a contraceptive pill work on a woman and what hormonal shifts it happens to them and many women are taking a contraceptive pill just like you know taking a candy they're taking it for better skin or they don't have to get pregnant and their partners are quite happy with it so i i want to use this opportunity to bring out the reality what is the price a woman is paying by taking a contraceptive pill of course there are some good benefits immediate benefits and uh, but on the other hand people are not really aware what it is actually doing to a woman's body in the long run so 
if you could explain what is a contraceptive pill, how does it work on a woman's body? I w- I'm really curious how you explain it to a layman's language. Sure. So female contraception is, is definitely something that is, has been a blessing in society in so many ways to prevent unwanted pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But I think it has sort of overrun its use usefulness and women aren't aware of like you said the toll that it can take long term on a woman's body and honestly there isn't enough research available now but just the way research evolves over time they may find that continuous use of birth control pills iud's estrogen and it's um in a external formulation that's being ingested could lead to cancers down the road. It's unnatural. And I think one of the principles in Ayurveda in all ancient healing systems is to bring the body into balance and to do so naturally. And to do it, the the healthiest way to be is the natural way. So to Rearrange your hormones so that you don't have a menstrual cycle is highly unnatural. Mm -hmm. What the birth control pill does is it actually simulates pregnancy for the body. So the the body is thinking it's pregnant and therefore you're not ovulating. And it does this by creating a constant level of estrogen. And that's why when you stop taking the birth control pill for say that seven day withdrawal period, then the body thinks, oh, the estrogen went down, therefore um, it's time to shed the lining that was developing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this happens with progesterone decreasing as well. But it's it's highly unnatural. And so you can imagine that there's so many side effects that are happening that a woman might not be aware of. And so some of the common ones are weight gain and mood disorders, depression, anxiety. Um, For some women, their skin actually gets worse, even though for some women, they take birth control pill for clearing their skin. And honestly, to use birth control to clear your skin is the complete opposite way to really address the root cause of skin disorders. As we know in Ayurveda, that that's more of an issue with ama and pitta and working through the liver to appropriately detox. And when you take a birth control pill, you're actually stressing your liver because now your liver has to convert this substance that you're taking in from your environment into a form that it actually can use. So you're using antioxidants to do that. And in using antioxidants, you're aging faster. You're, you have less energy. And I would say one of the most sort of most prevalent side effects that leads to chronic issues in women that also filter into society, into relationships, into their marriages is that many women experience loss of libido and loss of ability to actually have an enjoyable orgasm. So this is, this is quite a shame in society because it's a really untapped resource for women to replenish and to really feel connection with their partner. So if you are blunting this, this, energy and this response within a woman through the use of birth control pills, I think if most women knew about that, they would really think twice about 
pretty much wearing a condom for the whole month with the idea that maybe they may have, you know, intercourse at some period in time. And it really, to me, makes it more of a male dominated um, approach to contraception to basically put the responsibility on the woman Mm -hmm. and then also blunt her pleasure. So, um, so those are some of the initial thoughts I have. So uh, is there another side effect? Like uh, I have read some articles which says that, you know, when a woman is taking this pill for a longer period, it can also impact her microbiome and digestion. Do you see any? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's completely true as well. So, if a woman's taken birth control for more than five consecutive years, three to five years, then her microbiome has, shift, has shifted. And um, there is research that supports that because of this shift, it actually changes her, how she relates to other people and who she finds attractive. And so um, there's a, bu- a book called The Pill, and uh, you can reference that if you want to know more about this. But it's pretty interesting because it actually talks about how uh, women who have been on chronic birth control, when they come off of it, they actually can feel an aversion or a lack of attraction to their current partner because their microbiome shifts back to what it is supposed to be. And there is there's support for when that your microbiome, your gut health is actually guiding the choices you make in terms of who you find attractive, because you usually find that person attractive that has a similar microbiome to you or a match. And so it's an interesting point because as you know, in Ayurveda, when someone has a lot of ama, a lot of toxicity, they're not very attractive when you really get up close, right? There's maybe an odor or something that's off about them that is just unappealing. And so you can think about the birth control pill as as creating a level of ama, which disguises or clouds your perception and your gut's innate intuition to choose the correct mate. Wow, so it's like we are attracted to the similar bacteria that we have with others. It's a very- Right, so it's like your microbiome chooses the, the microbiome of the person that you're attracted to. And there may be differences, there may be similarities, but there is an inherent attraction. Uh, there's an inherent match. So if two people have a lot of ama, then they may actually be a good match. Whereas if one person is completely clean and the other one has a lot of ama, there's going to be dissonance. And you wouldn't even really feel like you want to get close to that person. And you might not, um, you might not, it might not be a smell per se, mm-hmm. but it may be something that you can't quite pinpoint that's intangible and more on an energetic level. That's interesting. Some people say, you know, uh, I don't like uh, my partner's smell. And they both say because of this, I couldn't stand it and they couldn't sustain the relationship as such. Right. (laughs) So I think both people should get punch of karma and be (laughs) off the pill. (laughs) (laughs) And when it comes to the skin, um, okay, you said within three to five years, there's going to be a shift in microbiome. But the kind of patients that I deal with, they say that I've been taking it for two decades and two decades is like, you know, their body would have completely forgotten what it is to live without 
two decades means they would have started when they started their menstrual cycle and then for two decades means their body would have completely forgotten how it is to have a menstrual cycle or to have a natural fertility. In, when someone is taken for two decades, I mean, do you see a possibility they can come back to normal aspects? I, I mean, eventually, yes. And I think doing something like a panchakarma process would facilitate that further because you know, again, we're dealing with the ingestion of a substance that has been building up byproducts of it have been building up within the liver, anything that's not fully processed um, and taken its toll. And it's probably showing up in other ways as well when you think of liver stress and um, and then the effects of, of excess hormone within the body. So that could be stimulating the growth of certain cells like even cancer cells within the female um, female organs, uterus, breasts, and so it's. Um, I mean, it does take its toll over decades. Um, however, I think that the body knows how to heal. It knows it has that divine blueprint of health, and with the correct tools and the correct assistance. Um, and even you know paying attention to the diet and eating um eating you know fresh whole unprocessed food full of phytonutrients um this is the way to regain that balance so uh, in such conditions like uh you say that in spite of two decades they can come out of it and many times when i tell people you know you have to come out of this this is not helping you this is not helping your uh, metabolism and they are worried how do i tell my partner and uh, what if my boyfriend or my husband he's not going to be happy about it and more than that they are also upset even though okay you can also say that okay this is a male dominated uh, mentality to have the pill but at the same time i also see many women saying thank god pill is invented so i don't have to worry about the menstrual cycle that's another side so mm. in uh, in this aspect how do you prepare a woman to come out of this pill and to educate her what does she need to know when she's coming out of the pill when she's taking it for like let's say four to five years or even a decade yeah so the first thing i would say that's important to become aware of and really acknowledge is to own the menstrual cycle you know i think for decades um women have tried to suppress it act like it doesn't exist i'm just gonna put this tampon in and keep biking you know there's ads that show women um on you know um, on their period like acting like it's not even happening. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's sort of a denial of the feminine. It's a denial of the natural process of, of life. And I think it's the first step is to really regain appreciation for the gifts of the menstrual, menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. So it is a time for women to go inward. It is a time to connect with one's intuition. It is a time to rest. It's a time to detox. And in suppressing the menstrual cycle over years, women are actually robbing themselves of the opportunity to detox through their menstrual blood, whether that's on the emotional, spiritual, energetic or physical layer, the, the woman needs that time to do that. And so in taking birth control, especially the kinds that, um, such as IUDs and, um, and other, other forms that 
pretty much eliminate the menstrual cycle, they, they don't give themselves that, that gift of the feminine. And it further propagates the sort of solar male dominated approach to life, which is to just do and not actually set step, take a step back and receive the gifts of reflection and intuition. So I, I would say that is the first step is to really get behind the power of it and to acknowledge the beauty of it and begin to celebrate the menstrual cycle. Mm. And from there, then recognize that, you know, after taking birth control for as many years, um, you have to be kind of patient with your body to regain a uh, a rhythm and the more that you can follow your dinacharya your daily routine and create rhythm within other parts of your life the sooner you'll likely gain the monthly rhythm of your cycle back that's interesting because you started with saying that the first you need to give them the right mindset because once they have the mindset they will have the energy to survive that you know just like you know when you tell someone who's used to alcohol to go to sleep and suddenly when you tell them you cannot take this out with the sugar they have this withdrawal symptoms so so i guess what you're saying is you know you need to prepare them to come out of the withdrawal symptoms and to tell them what is natural for their body right and uh, what is it about the you know some people say they are putting the copper coil so what is that something uh, would you as a better okay definitely it is not as healthy as it is when it is compared to what is natural, but what is your take on when it comes to the coil? Right. I mean, each form has its own set of drawbacks and side effects. So with the copper IUDs, the, the way it works is it creates a hostile environment in the uterus for implantation. Hmm. And this is because the copper is seen as a foreign body and therefore the body amounts an like an immune response against it and, and there's an inflammatory cascade. And so if a woman already has arthritis or um, other autoimmune conditions, then this is just going to Worse. propagate a problem and worsen it. And, uh, and if she doesn't have any of those issues, it could lead to something like that because now you're creating body-wide inflammation because the body doesn't recognize, oh, I'm just going to inflame this one area. The body knows that it's a full unit and those inflammatory cytokines, those inflammatory messengers go up everywhere and they travel everywhere, including your brain. And so then an inflamed brain is foggy and, you know, not as um, clear and concise and able to, you know, direct the function of the rest of the being. So definitely the natural methods are always the best. They really are. And so I typically recommend, unless a woman is not emotionally mature enough to be able to track her cycle, I don't recommend any kind of birth control. So I know that's a, a big sweeping statement, but mm -hmm. um, if she is emotionally mature enough to monitor her period and know when it's coming, then the best way to practice contraception is to, um, to really get in tune with the rhythm of her cycle and avoid 
intercourse during the days around ovulation. And there's so many apps, there's so many um, ways to track this that are available now because I, I really feel like this method of contraception is gaining popularity because it doesn't have side effects. It is so natural. It is so supportive to the feminine and to honoring a woman's body. I gave that example earlier of, you know, I've equated the birth control pill to almost like a woman wearing a condom every day of the month, mm. you know, with basically she needs to do something every day to alter her body with the possibility that maybe they'll have intercourse or maybe they won't. And it just seems so ridiculous when you put it that way, you know, <laughs> like, would you tell a man to do that? And uh, whether he was, had the, you know, like the thought of having sex or not, that just seems so unnatural, so ridiculous. So um, you need to wear this all day, every day <laughs> when you're sleeping and when you're not. Mm -hmm. So, so anyway, um, so yeah, for, there's a certain age group of women that if they are sexually active, then I think just as a social responsibility, um, many doctors will prescribe birth control for that age range. But I think the important thing is to recognize that this is a limited, um, limited prescription until she can develop that sense of responsibility around when is what is happening. And the other way that birth control shows up is sort of as you mentioned in a cosmetic way but also as a band-aid to patch up other issues and unfortunately within tradition like in within western medicine there there it's been used as um basically just a patch up um patch up therapy uh, for when a woman has any kind of issue. Oh, you have endometriosis. Oh, you've got PCOS. Anytime a woman doesn't have a regular cycle, she's basically put on this um, prescription. Exactly. And, and the thing is, is that if you do that, then you're never going to actually give her the chance to have a regular cycle and be able to track her period because it's always going to be irregular or um, uncomfortable. And as we know in Ayurveda, that if you dig deep and you really heal the body on all the levels of tissue, all seven dhatus, then you probably will be able to regain a healthy, regular menstrual cycle and won't need the birth control to sort of make it feel uh, less painful or make it feel um, like you're having regularity when you really don't. So like, uh, I think what you're saying is in that we have this approach. Uh, woman's fertility depends on how regular and healthy is her menstrual cycle. So once you correct her menstrual cycle, her fertility is a natural side benefit. So that's all we need to look at it. Right. But also looking at it in terms of when you think about datu nutrition, when you think about tissue nutrition, right? Mm -hmm. You think that healthy rasa builds healthy blood, builds healthy muscle, you know, and you just go down the line. Mm -hmm. So if you have a weakness in lymph, blood, muscle, fat, nervous system, bone, you're going to have likely an issue in the reproductive tissue. It won't show up there 
unless there's a gap somewhere else. So if you do this patch up method and just correct the end product, mm -hmm. then you're missing one of the gaps along the way. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest issue because now you haven't addressed the root. You know that there's a missing link and it's, um, it just bypasses that. Yeah, like the saying, it's, the chain is strongest at its weakest link. So we need to correct right. that part. And there, there is, you know, when we discuss this and when I explain this to my patients, one of the uh, response in some woman that I've noticed is, oh my God, why didn't my gynecologist tell this to me in the beginning? If I knew, I wouldn't be taking this. Now there is a fear, you know, we have this fear of missing out. There's this fear because I took this for so long. When I come out of it, is there a chance for me, second chance for me to come back to my normal, healthy, feminine uh, body? So um, we're, yeah. we're, you're not asking to give an artificial hope. The reality is I have seen women after two decades, they come out of it and everything is coming back to no normal and they get pregnant. They have a healthy child and healthy family. But some women, they feel that because they've been taken for so long, uh, coming back to normalcy is something like an utopia for them. So what would you mm. give us, what is the reality? Can they really come back to their natural feminine intelligence? I think so. I mean, I'm a really you know, 100% optimist when it comes to that. I really believe anything is possible on the physical layer if the mind and the spirit are strong and that you have all the pillars in place um, physically as well. And so that's why with the support of someone to guide you through diet, through lifestyle, and then to have those mental um, and emotional outlets too, to release the fear and to really it's it's an opportunity it's an opportunity to change your life and do a full rehaul because i think as you know we've mentioned you may notice that your tastes change your priorities change your mental clarity changes all of these things can shift and with those you'll have more momentum to really make the difference and um yeah i believe it's completely possible and that um it, it is so with the right supports. Hmm. And I think their partner must also understand this, what is happening. So they both have a complete agreement on this. Right. And I mean, that's, that's important all the way around. And I, I think that, you know, the OBGYN would tell you that if they knew it, you know, mm -hmm. everyone's doing the best they can with the information that they have. Exactly. And so, you know, in medical school, I didn't learn about all of this, right? This has been study after the fact and um, I'm really glad for it, but these are holes within the medical system and, you know, everybody's doing their best and they're telling you what they learned. And unless they went to learn more and do further studies and really dig as to, well, I'm not going to settle for this answer. I'm going to find another one because this one isn't good enough and it doesn't make sense to me. Um, then they won't have that information. But I would I just kind of encourage that in the ancient traditions, we usually have some of these answers. And that's why these ancient systems of healing really do offer solutions. That's a nice way of looking at it. See, we all need a Copernicus inside us to question what is orthodox and to see if this is really working or should we look for something else that is much better sustainable and having less side effects.
Right. And to speak to your um, kind of point about like explaining it to men mm-hmm. and, you know, being a big sort of culture shift within the marriage or the relationship. Um, I, I just think that education is so important and open communication, you know, first mm-hmm. it's about um, educating more professionals to share this guidance. And then it's about them being able to educate or women self-educating around um, how to really be in tune with their body. And then from there, you know, and honestly, when a woman is in that state of peace and slowing down with her menstrual cycle, she's able to gain these insights with which to communicate and how to communicate. And really is thought to be kind of a voice of wisdom, like really truth. And, um, and then from there, kind of share that with her household and, uh, and have that be respected and honored. And, um, and so, you know, this kind of brings to mind Lately, I've been researching um, how I would deliver um, a a course or a program about Ayurvedic postpartum care. Hmm. And as you may know, the for that sacred window or the first 42 days postpartum determines the next 42 years of the woman's life. And so um, there's so much in there that talks about how a woman you know, it's so important for her to not do like be Miss Supermom and Superwife and be doing all the cleaning and the cooking and to actually let um, her village or her uh, network of friends and family support her in those tasks so that she can be fully with the child, with her own self and be in that semi-intuitive state um, of consciousness where she is getting very in touch with that ancient wisdom, ancient feminine wisdom, so that she can nurture the child even better. And I was thinking about, wow, like how many men, you know, we would have to also educate in this process because the man might think that the woman's just slacking off, that she's, you know, just putting her feet up and all she does is sleep and feed the baby. And, you know, what about the rest of the house? And, um, So I think education on every front when it comes to women's care is so important, whether that's just the period or it's the actual, you know, pregnancy and postpartum care. So it's it's, it's like they say, you know, it takes two hands to clap. So I think both needs to be equally aware and take complete responsibility. Only then you have a healthy child that is brought up with all the love. Otherwise it will show up later and that is going to be a lot of, firefighting for the child's personality either and also with the woman's connection with the her own inner self and the relationship too you know because i think it does build resentment on some levels and then you know if she doesn't take appropriate care of herself um can have postpartum depression and other diseases from the improper release of toxicity and ama through the normal detoxification pathways that need to happen postpartum, um, but get blocked again if she's too busy. Mm-hmm. And so these, uh, 
it's like the postpartum period is like a really long menstrual period. You know what I mean? It yeah. needs to be honored in that way. And, uh, and the men also need to be educated as to um, the, the sacredness of this process and support her for those six weeks because that's going to affect the whole rest of their lives together. And then that filters out into society. Hmm. That's a fantastic wisdom that we need to spread more. I think the medical system uh, would take this instead of us, but at the, at the same time, till they make it completely open for the medical education to bring into the society, I think we have the dharma to spread it as much as possible. Right, yeah, and we are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Nisha. It was really an interesting uh, insight and I really every time I do this interview with you I learn a lot and I'm sure people who are listening can also learn a lot about this one last question uh, you mentioned something about tampons and uh, use of other sanitary pads which are having some chemicals what is a natural way for when someone is menstruating what is the healthiest way to have the hygiene at the same time without affecting their uh, health yeah. Well, I would say, you know, just from an Ayurvedic standpoint, right? A panavayu is trying to go down. Mm. So if you put a tampon, it's blocking the flow, <laughs> you know, and it, it just, it's not, it is a, it is an absorbent pad, but it's also a physical block. And so I feel like that could actually increase cramping and then maybe even lead to things like endometriosis because now that flow is not, um, is not, to the full degree that it could be if you had the apana just let it flow out. So, um, so I would say the two ideal methods, one would be a diva cup. Um, mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that? Yes, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, so that's a, a receptacle that can collect the blood. It's a little tricky for some women to use because you kind of have to get the hang of it with, you know, Un unplugging the suction or releasing the suction so that you can take the the diva cup out without creating a lot of mess um and i think you know part of it is women some women have hesitancy around um being that up close and personal <laughs> with their menstrual blood mm -hmm. but that's that's part of the whole you know um really regaining a sense of um appreciation for their femininity and uh and then the other method would be, um, have you heard of the Thinks underwear? Mm, no, not yet. So it's, um, it, they've become quite popular and it's basically like absorbent underwear that doesn't feel moist, you know, so it, mm. a woman could be quite comfortable. It's almost like she's wearing like a like a very attractive diaper underwear. <laughs> um, and so that allows just kind of a free bleed release into the underwear. And I think it's probably one of the most comfortable methods for women. The benefit of having something like the Diva Cup is that, you know, if you do get into really honoring the feminine, any, um, any byproduct of your body, like blood, for example, which is full of jiva, right? It's jivanya, um, it's prana, right? Mm -hmm. So it's your life force energy is in the blood. So in some traditions, ancient traditions, you could actually collect that blood and offer it to a plant or a tree and um, 
use it as a manifestation ritual where you then make that offering and you have an intention around it. And then from that plant into the earth, you, you birth your creation, which mm. is, you know, some intention that you have for your life um, or for someone else. And so um, there's, there's a lot of that, that could seem really taboo to a lot of people, but I would just invite women to, you know, open yeah. Exploring. their their hearts you know to it a little bit and just just hear it for what it is it's not magic it's not uh taboo it's it's really just you know how ancient women used to bleed they used to just bleed into the earth and um something really beautiful that i heard um one woman say was that when women start bleeding into the earth again when they start giving their blood back to the earth that's when bloodshed of humanity will stop because mm. the earth in a way needs that blood and in a way when a woman gets so connected to her feminine and she's not ashamed of her blood and she's not ashamed of this offering and she believes that this is the natural process then that woman is fully empowered and fully empowered in her intuition and when a woman is fully empowered in her intuition then she does lead and guide the climate of the family of society and from that in intuition and from that knowing there is peace there is love there is compassion there is sharing and then there's no bloodshed you know and so that was a really beautiful thing i heard and um it really just is about honoring the period honoring the feminine honoring the blood and getting back to that true self that can really serve as a guide well, that's a very insightful and thought-provoking look at it. I'm, I'm sure some people might consider this, oh, this is quite taboo. But when you look at nature, you know, everything that is produced in nature is useful for something. There is nothing that nature produces that is toxic in nature. I think except mm -hmm. for the man-made stuff like plastic or other stuff, you know, everything that nature produces is beneficial for something or the other. It's just that we are not able to comprehend what is the benefit of that. Right. That's very insightful. And I think let more women <laughs> and also men, you know, explore these concepts. Okay. For me, you know, okay, coming from having an upbringing in India, yeah, I still remember going to the school and we have a biology teacher and the teacher is like having a lot of uh, talking about this. Like she's ashamed of talking about this. And we men will be sitting in the back bench, not men like boys at that time would be sitting in the back bench and laughing at it. And then the women are worried about what is going on. Oh my God, this is like that. And we, are, we all are like, oh my God, is it like that? That's the way we are taught and we are brought up. And then suddenly, even the women are brought up like that. And then suddenly when you see, okay, this is something that we should get comfortable talking openly. That makes such a big shift in how we connect with our own natural intelligence. Right. And I mean, I think some would argue that the, the current climate around the menstrual period, how you described being brought up, and even in my own family, I hear about, um, you know, there being shame around the period and um, the shame of that transition into womanhood. It's, um, it's, it's just a, society-wide problem of mm. shaming the feminine, you know? And 
when did it become gross? When did it become bad? When did it become something to hide? You know, um, I've read some tantric texts that talk about when women would bleed um, in those times, they were actually held like priestesses on the altar and they would stand there or sit there in their robes and bleed fully into the robes and it was a sign of of power it was a sign of this is the ability of the woman to birth life through her through this process this is the woman's um you know life force energy and they were actually put on a pedestal for this mm. you know and so you know we've come so far away from that to where uh, women were then thought of witches and now, you know, the most current, alive. Um, yeah. And, you know, for these intuitive gifts and, and to the point where now they are, um, you know, just maybe ashamed of it or, you know, um, hiding it from their partners or wanting to, to just be over quickly or completely suppress it. Oh, I'm so happy. I don't have to slow down on my period. And, you know, life just keeps moving on. But like, I think we all recognize the importance of a pause, you know, mm -hmm. the importance of reflection. And, um, you know, I don't want life to mo keep moving on the gerbil wheel day after today. I really like taking a step back and pausing and having time to reflect and figure out if I still want what I thought I wanted. So, um, so yeah, I, I think to your point, it's just really important for, um, for this, there to be this shift because it is really not acknowledging the power of the woman and the power of her process and, um, and really the celebration of her life um, to basically call it something that needs to be pushed under the rug, you know? Mm -hmm. That's so true. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I also must uh, say another side from my family, like uh, in South India, uh, I mean, in many cultures in Asia, they have this tradition. When, for example, my sister, when she starts, uh, started her menstrual cycle, you know, just in her uh, 10th or 11th year, uh, we had a huge family uh, fest, uh, like a, a celebration at home. Like she was dressed in her uh, best clothes and she was wearing some crown, a lot of garlands. And we invited the whole uh, community to come and it's like a big celebration that happens. And mm. then my sister, you know, she's quite rebellious. She, could, she, she likes to question everything. Why are you doing all this stuff just because blood is coming between my legs? This is her exact words. And then, uh, uh, and then uh, I'm not happy what you guys are doing. I feel ashamed. And then uh, there was one old, uh, I mean, like a grandma figure to all of us. He was telling, we have no idea why we are doing this because once a woman starts menstruating, she is ready to conceive, which means all of us deep inside, we have this need to continue the benefits of what we are having to the next generation. So the sustainability of human beings is actually happening because of this one uh, menstrual cycle that is happening in a woman. So it is a mm -hmm. way of honoring to the nature because we don't have a choice whether I'm, I'm to be born as a man or a woman. So mm -hmm. when a woman has this undue advantage, you know, she gets this ability to give birth and express this unconditional love which men does not have. But at the same time, they, it, it has its own benefits and drawbacks. So uh, it is like a ritual that is being done in our cultures, like uh, a thanks to the nature for 
allowing this lineage to continue to the next generation. So that is the ritual that is going on. So, but you know, the, the new generation, we are not able to appreciate why we are doing such things. So I think these ancient traditions and its wisdom, we really need to bring it back. Right. And I think, you know, modern day feminism would, you know, have issues with, um, you know, just celebrating a woman because of her ability to bear children, you know? And so I think there has to be a sort of a middle ground between all of that where it's, it's, I think it's important to acknowledge the beauty and the gifts of both genders and, um, and not kind of get segregated and think, well, oh, you only think that my worth is to create progeny or Mm -hmm. vice versa, you know, for something else. And so, um, there's elevated forms of the masculine and feminine, you know, and Mm -hmm. ultimately, um, the, the feminine is love and the male, the masculine is consciousness. And through love, the woman can, uh, attain consciousness and freedom and through consciousness and freedom, the man can attain love. And so that's why we have this Shiva Shakti principle, why male and female, feminine, masculine combine and come together and why there's attraction and having a child and the ability to conceive is really just the life principle manifestation of that divine union of on the, that principle level. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I think it really is taking it back to the, the deeper philosophical gifts of each gender and, and owning those and recognizing that the way to bliss, to ultimate, um, your ultimate aim of life, your ultimate moksha is through the other principle. It is through the masculine if you're feminine, and it is through the feminine if you're masculine. So it really is an honoring of both and the coming together of both. I just feel that over time, the feminine has been suppressed and men are honestly missing out as well. Mm -hmm. For sure, definitely. Especially if a man is being uh, raised by a woman who is masculine, that definitely shows up in his approach as well to the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, there's a saying, every time you are upset with someone, you always have a way of, in every culture, you know, you blame the mother because the source is coming from there. So it is so important for a woman to connect with her feminine so that everything else is also, it's like that one single thread when you pull everything opens up. Yeah, I don't know about blaming the mother for everything. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, no, I'm saying it's like a cultural uh, thing that, you know, something goes wrong. It's a tendency. Okay, I'm not happy. Whoever created him. Uh, it's, oh. it's, a, it's, a, it's not a healthy way. I'm just saying that's how the many cultures uh, use yeah. the way of blaming. Right. And I think that's part of the problem, you know, because... <laughs> really it is about co-parenting and um both you know mm-hmm. nurturing with their unique gifts you know and uh it isn't a sole responsibility of one or the other but you know as we know through genetics there are some things that are inherited on male chromosomes and some that are on female and so um on a on a genetic level you know both both parents are contributing material mm. and on a sort of microbiome level, we inherit 
our mother's microbiome. So there is a huge influence there. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I guess we could talk a long time about exactly. masculine and <laughs> moving away from birth control. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Nisha. And uh, I would definitely put all the details. Uh, I think I have your list, but it would be fantastic if you could also just say how people can reach out to you and uh, what you offer with your online services today because we live in a virtual world because of this corona pandemic. Right. Um, so yeah, my name's Nisha Khanna. I have a website, Nisha Khanna MD. Um, I post pretty frequently, almost daily on Instagram, uh, helpful, inspiring tips. Um, just Nisha Khanna MD again, at Nisha Khanna MD. And then um, for online offerings, I created a gut healing course that's available. Um, and that's also, you can get that from my website. Uh, under healing courses and so that's a gut reset guide and then i'm about to create it's almost done um, an ayurvedic foundations course so just people can uh, learn a bit more about their constitutions and how to care for them as well as a kind of mini reset that you can do seasonally so i'm looking forward to putting that out soon that's fantastic that you're giving so much of online coaching because Many people do ask me, where can I find a good portal where I can learn about all this? So I'm super glad that someone like you is doing that. Yeah, it's been so fun. I think it's been sort of on my wish list of things to do for a few years. And um, just having more time right now during the COVID pandemic, I've been, it was like, I thought I was going to get it done by the end of the year, but it happened at the beginning of the year. So, uh, so I'm really happy about that. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Nisha. And thank you all the listeners for listening. If you like it, please do subscribe, share, and do write a review in the platform that you're using, whichever it could be Apple or Spotify or Google Podcasts. And thank you once again.